Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Felicia Day from Dr. Horrible and the Guild, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. Try to turn away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. God, oh God, we're all going to die? Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner tonight. This is episode 56. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, this is Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are here at the diner. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight, this afternoon, this morning, whenever you're downloading and listening to this show. We just welcome you. And as always, we invite you to leave feedback, comment on what we're talking about, give us your opinion and you can do that by letting us know at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three, or if you're overseas, you can send us an MP three at the Sci Fi Diner Podcast at gmail dot com. Those ways will get to you, Miles. How in the heck have you been? It's been three weeks. Yes, it has. Uh, uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, job is still treating me well, and uh, still enjoying uh, a lot of the sci fi that's been on TV lately. Oh man, I'm having a trouble. You know, we're now back in the phase where I'm having trouble keeping up with it all. Right. Because for a while it was like, okay, oh, V's back. Okay. Oh, flash forward actually started first and you're able to kind of get into that again. And wow, now there's like four or five shows I'm trying to juggle and not to mention I'm watching Bones and Mentalist with my wife. Absolutely phenomenal shows in their own right. Bones just surpassed, uh, their 100th episode. So that's, that's, uh, that's noteworthy. That is a mile marker. You know, the, of course, the Angel, the guy that played Angels, one of the main characters in that. Uh, yeah. David, whatever his last name is. Borneas, uh, I yes. think his name is. Oh, good. See, mm-hmm. that's why I have you around, Miles. You're a fountain of useless information. And I take pride in it. As you should. As you should. <laughs> oh, man. I've been catching up with Chuck. That's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Oh, my, my Biggest Loser program's done. I was a part of the Biggest Loser. Some of you may not know this, but I was a part of a Biggest Loser program. I've lost 60 pounds. That is phenomenal. You look like a new man. I do. I'm half the man I was. Well, not quite. Mm-hmm. I'm a fourth the man I was. I don't know. Three-fourths <laughs> the man I was. I don't know. Anyways, on the menu tonight, we are serving up a wonderful interview with the beautiful Felicia Day. And just by answering some trivia that Miles is going to give you a little bit later on, you can win a signed print to boot. Um, we, of course, are going to discuss the Caprica season finale. Uh, the Guild takes the streamies. Sci-Fi picks up a streamy winner, Steampunk Fantasy Reese. And we give you Miles' Clash of the Titans review in 3D. Well, he saw it in 3D. We aren't going to give it to you in 3D. We're going to do, Yeah, that would be hard. This is our voice in 3D. We're going to discuss small, what critics are calling the next 2001 Blade Runner. Lord of the Rings and Blu-ray, true fans are not real fans of this, as we'll tell you. And we'll tell you why. Since this is a diner, we're also going to talk about the Star Wars AT-AT made out of bacon. Last, we chat about a dancing stormtrooper, not in our diner, but in Paris, and uh, that should about round up our news. Oh, we also have the Sci-Fi 5 and 5, where I'm going to be giving you my top five or six sci-fi weapons of all time. Sounds like a good menu, doesn't it? Uh, I'm hungry. I am. That bacon. Huh. Yes. It actually looks a little bit disgusting. What a waste of the bacon. It is a waste of good. Although, you know, I thought of all the images that, you know, Mary, the DVD geeks, Televixen would like. That would be one. She's putting bacon with everything. That's you true. ever notice that on Twitter? It's like, I'm going to make a bacon chocolate banana sandwich. Something uh, like that. Uh, she should write a, she should write a cookbook on, on food you can make with bacon. Yeah. 1000 things you can do with bacon. 
let's move into some show news, Miles, because we, okay. and then let's kind of get into our trivia because people are going to want to be answering this trivia to be winning this awesome prize, the signed print of the guild. But, um, show news. We, of course, are part of the Lifestyle Pod Network. I have a link on our website in our show notes. Make sure you check them out. Some great shows. Um, and we've talked about that before. Uh, Fringe, of course, has started up over the past two weeks. And, of course, along with that, Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. Now, I am a part of that show. Um, I'm a part of that show in that I, I contribute. I'm a contributor. Maybe that's a part of a better way of saying it. I'm a contributor to that show. I contribute the Fringe Quote of the Week. And, you know, I don't know about you, Miles, but Fringe has to be one of the best written shows out there right now. I'm really liking Fringe right now. Yeah. Did you watch the first two episodes since they started back oh. up? Oh, I, most definitely. I'm, yeah. I'm caught up. Yeah, and they are, they are absolute, it's, it's an absolute excellent show. I love it. It's, it's well written and it just seems to keep getting better. It's leaving me wanting more. It, it absolutely is. All right. Uh, we'll be discussing, um, uh, it was Richard White who wrote, uh, Echoes of Coventry in the Starfleet Corps of Engineers series for Star Trek Ultimate Hulk and Gauntlet, Dark Legacy Part One, Passive Evil. Uh, we'll be joining him uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, so if you read any of this stuff, call in with questions for Richard White as we kind of prep for that interview. Oh, we're going to be discussing um, the shows that we love, Flash Forward, Fringe, Caprica, SVU, and V, a little bit more in depth than we probably do tonight with the lovely Mary, the DVD geeks, Televix, and next week. And um, let us know if there's any shows out there that we aren't discussing that you would like us to discuss. We'll pop them to her, get her, her opinion on it. She may or may not have watched them. But uh, it's going to be good to have Mary on with us again, won't it, Miles? It will. It's always good. She's she's, she's just great. She's We've done a bunch of shows. If you go back into our archives, you'll see that we've done a couple shows with her. But it's been, I guess the last one we did was episode 50 she was on. So I guess it's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. It seems a lot longer than it. Maybe is. A couple months, yeah. All right. Well, Miles, why don't you take us into trivia? All right. The, the trivia question for this week, since it's uh, appropriate uh, that we uh, are um, going to be airing our interview with Felicia Day, we're going to make it a, a Felicia Day question. In Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, Felicia Day plays the character of Penny. However, after she is killed, what do the newspapers refer to her as? Ooh, that is a good question. Now, Miles, what can they win if they get this question right? Uh, you will win a very nice, lovely signed picture of Felicia Day. And actually, it's a signed picture of the guild, just to clarify, but Felicia Day right. has signed it. We are giving that away to one lucky winner. As many people as one, of course, can, can buy for it. And if we get more than one right answer, we just kind of draw names out of a hat or Pick some sort of random mechanism to choose a winner. You will have two weeks to answer this question, so get this in by April 27th. You can send your answer to our mailing address at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. You can call us at 1-888-508-4343 or DM us on Twitter at the Sci-Fi Diner or message us on Twitter. We will put you into the drawing for this prize. Mm-hmm. So that sounds good, Miles. It's a great picture, by the way. Well, talking about Mary, we're going to head into our first promo of the evening. We're going to play the promo from DVD Geeks, the the, the DVD Geeks show on Fearless Radio, and they also, of course, do a podcast that's associated with that. Uh, and, Miles, you've been a part – you haven't been on the podcast, but you've been a part of the podcast as a contributor, right? Yes, I have, and it's been a joy to um – be able to, to have a small part in that. Um, a few times, uh, Mary has asked for opinions about when Star Trek, the original series, was released on uh, Blu-ray. Like, what was our favorite episodes? Um, also, um, uh, Flash Forward, the uh, mid-season, uh, was released on DVD. I just asked for opinions on that. So, so yes, uh, I've uh, I've contributed in a small way to uh, to DVD geeks. Yeah, and if there's a show, if you want to hear some really good, honest opinions about DVDs that are coming out, they aren't just reviewing the movie, they're looking at all the extras and the way they're set up and everything. This is absolutely a great show for you to go check out. So go ahead, listen to the promo, and we'll see you after the break. It's the DVD Geeks. Real fans with real opinions. 
Every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central on FearlessRadio.com. FearlessRadio.com. Remember, scene selection is not a special feature. The DVD Geeks on FearlessRadio.com. For more information, point your web browser to DVDGeeks.tv. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner. We are about to head into our main course. We have TV news. We're bringing you movie news, DVD news, and some miscellaneous news that we're going to bring you tonight. We're going to start with some TVD. TVD? There we go. We're going to start with some TV news. Miles, take it away. Well, in in Caprica news, uh, record uh, demo ratings for mid-season finale scoring 1.7 million total viewers. Nice work compared to the first five episodes of Caprica. Last four were up uh, 21% in adults, 18 to 49, and 12% in adults, uh, 25 to 54. That, that's always good to see. And it is always good to see. I guess what they're doing, and I did hear this, they're, they're taking a break, and I don't know when it's coming back. I think it's coming back in the fall. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't, I haven't heard when, when it's come back. Yeah. I believe it is. I believe it comes back in the fall, but it's kind of weird. They showed nine episodes, now there's a huge break, and now we're coming, then, uh, another, However many episodes then in the fall. I believe that's the way they're doing it. Uh, Miles, real quickly, overall impression of the first nine episodes of Caprica. First, I, I thought it was very, oh, sorry, it was a very strong showing. Um, I thought what, what I liked about Battlestar was after you saw the episode, you were upset because you kept wanting more. And I think the writers for Caprica are doing the same thing. Um, after you see the show – you always want more because um, it's just the writing is so good on that show. And again, one of the things that we talked about earlier that we love about that we loved about Battlestar that we're loving about this show is that there's multiple levels to the story. It's a, it really is a commentary once again on society that they're kind of uh, and as Richard Hatch said in our interview with him, the best sci-fi does comment on current current day society in a lot of ways. Right, and it makes you think. I mean, it'll it'll throw out an issue and play both sides of it. Um, they won't tell you which position to take, but they'll you know you'll be you'll be thinking long and hard after you see it. Yeah, uh, you know, unlike Human Target, which is just a fun show to watch. There's nothing you have to really think too much about. So those kind of shows are good too. Yeah, they are. And by the way, just a little side note in Human Target, Whiskey, um, Doctor Saunders, the girl that played Doctor Saunders in Dollhouse, is going to be on the finale next week. Oh, good. So, or this week, tomorrow night, tomorrow night. So is when that's airing. And this, uh, by that time, this episode will be probably still being edited together by that time. But. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's move into some other news. I put this into TV news. This is really more webisode news. The Guild, of course, ran away the Streamy Awards. Felicia Day and the Guild pwned at the Streamy Awards. The Streamy Awards, honoring web programming, singled out two talents from the Guild. Felicia Day's web series, about the online World of Warcraft Guild meeting in real life at the International Academy of Web Television's second annual award ceremony Sunday at the Orpheum Theater in Los Angeles. They herself won for Best Female Actor in a Comedy Web Series for the second year in a row. No surprise there. Um, as creator, writer of the series, winning acting awards was her plan all along. It means quite a lot because I created this role for myself because I didn't see that role out there and I didn't see myself getting that role even if it was out there in Hollywood, Day said. It's just the way I am. I'm a little quirky. This is for geek girls everywhere. I hope I continue to make content in the future and act in roles in the future that inspire people to go on and create themselves. The Guild director, Sam the Guild, the Guild director, Sean Becker, won for Best Directing for a Comedy Web Series, his first streaming. Uh, the show won awards last year for the Best Comedy Web Series. Becker was especially proud to win for directing because he's seen the competition get even tougher, as you can imagine. Uh, we had the first streamies last year and the streamies this year, and I feel that the competition has gotten so much more intense this year, Becker said. One good thing about the Guild is that they had to come in early, that they, that they had come in early, so we kind of got to build a following. Now we're at that level where I believe it's just completely equal ground. To be even nominated, I know that's a cliche to say, but there's a lot of web shows out there, so to be able to still be acknowledged is just great. 
Um, and of course, we find it really cool just to see Felicia Day being acknowledged in this capacity. Absolutely, I, I'm I'm glad to see uh, uh, Felicia Day and um, the cast and crew of uh, the Guild get their due. And um, maybe just as a side note, um, now you can watch the Guild uh, online on, on Netflix. Uh, Notice that um, when I was scrolling through the Netflix options um, on the on the Wii recently. Yeah, and. I mean, I saw the announcement that the Wii has finally released Netflix, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, have you watched anything on it? Not yet. Um, so, some of the options there are a little limited. Uh, I don't know how it is for the Xbox, but uh, for the Wii, you can't. It's not like everything is available that, that's on Netflix. But um, did notice that season one of uh, the Guild is definitely available on there. Yeah, I noticed that, and I well, the Xbox is pretty extensive options to actually watch Netflix on the Xbox. Like you can actually search and everything else. Um, my my uh, Blu-ray, you can just actually search just the queue. So mm-hmm. I imagine it's probably something similar for you. Yeah, I'm still I'm still figuring it out. Talking about the streamies and the guild, let's move on to something else that kind of came out of the streamies. Sure, sci-fi goes steampunk with fantasy adventure series Reese. A mysterious wanderer named Reese has been on the run in an online futuristic fantasy adventure series, and now she, along with her episodes, has run all the way to sci-fi. Sci-fi Digital has acquired the rights to the entire award-winning 10-part series with an eye toward possibly developing it for broadcast on air, just as the channel did with web series Sanctuary. Here's sci-fi's official announcement. Sci-fi Digital acquires Reese, acclaims streamy award-winning 10-part fantasy adventure web series for fall 2010. Season 1 and the never-before-seen Season 2 to be streamed on Sci-Fi Digital with the eye towards development for broadcast. New York, New York, April 8, 2010, Sci-Fi remains on the forefront of cutting-edge fantasy-based digital entertainment with the acquisition of highly acclaimed web series, Reese. It was announced today by Craig Handler, uh, SVP and GM of uh, Sci-Fi Digital. Sci-Fi Digital has a, Sci-Fi Digital has acquired the rights to the entire ten-part series, which is distributed distributed by Fireworks International, the television and di- digital distribution arm of Content Film PLC, with an eye towards development for a broadcast air. Reese consists of a two of two five-part episode seasons, with season two premiering fully for the first time exclusively on the Sci-Fi.com. Season one and season two are both slated for a digital launch. The fall of 2010. Now, this is kind of exciting. A cyberpunk or, a ste- excuse me, steampunkish type futuristic type uh, fantasy. Uh, we talked about Reese, oh, it was probably about a half year ago. Do you remember? Right. I do remember, yeah. Yeah, and so this is kind of exciting that, you know, here we have a show. You know, this goes to show that when you create a web series, um, I think especially like um, Trenches and other stuff that we've talked about in the show, that these shows have the potential to become TV shows. Sanctuary was a web series, later became, now it's signed on for a third season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have this potentially being brought into maybe a 13-episode season. That's kind of cool. Absolutely. Well, the web has just changed how things are are being done on TV. I mean, if you if you have a... You, you might be able to get your uh, your web show made into a TV series. Yeah. Now, what do you think of these? You know, it seems like in the past year or two, we've all of a sudden we have these thirteen episode seasons. What do you? How do you feel about that? Well, I miss I miss when they when it was a longer season. I'm trying to remember how many episodes were in a season. I think it was close to it's like twenty, twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, it, I don't like the long sabbaticals they take between shows, but that's the, that seems to be the norm nowadays with TV shows. Yeah. You know, the, the, I think the great thing about the 13 episode arcs is number one, you don't have as long of a story to follow. Um, and number two, there's also, uh, you know, it gives the networks a chance to test out a show. I, it, it's definitely an advantage for the network. Yeah. We shall see what happens to Reese. I'm looking forward to actually catching it. I did not catch it online. I hope that when it comes to sci-fi, I will be able to catch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ho- hopefully it makes it to TV because I don't watch much on the, the web as far as series go. Like the Guild, 
I may have watched one episode of the Guild actually online. I watch it more when it hits Xbox or Netflix or something like that. But right. Let's move into some movie news. Miles, why don't you start off? You went and saw Clash of the Titans in 3D. Tell us about Clash. Well, um, my wife and I saw Clash of the Titans uh, last Saturday. Um, we did enjoy it. I mean, visually, it's a very impressive movie. But if you did see the first one, you will notice there seems to be a fair amount of revision in the story. I mean, um, I mean, the beginning and end is the same. I don't think it's just, uh, but it's just that uh, some of the character situations are a little bit different. The relationships are a little bit different. Um, I will give it props for. I think the character development or characters were a little stronger in this one. They were not quite as maybe uh, one-dimensional as they were in the um, in the original one. So that 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 made it interesting. Definitely some sci-fi notables in this, and definitely some Hollywood notables in this, uh, particularly with Liam Neeson playing Zeus and Ralph Fiennes playing Hades. But up-and-coming actor Sam Worthington, uh, he played Perseus. You'll remember him from the, the last Terminator movie. Oh, and, and Avatar. And, a huge, and that little movie that nobody's ever heard of called Avatar. Yeah, That's right, which comes out next week, I believe. That Again, right? yes. Yeah. Uh, so um, so he, definitely Sam Worthington's uh, career is uh, is definitely on the rise. Uh, other sci-fi notables, um, Polly Walker, she was she played Cassiopeia um, in this. And she, of uh, course, you would know her from Caprica. Right. And, yes. Ro- and Rome. I think she did Rome. But. That's true. She did. Uh, also, uh, Alexander Siddig, um, he played, um, uh, it was a very small role, but he was in the movie and he got to interact with uh, Liam Neeson. He, he played uh, Hermes. Uh, he was probably best known for his work on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is Dr. Uh, Julian Bashir. But yeah, it was, it was, you know, it's, it was a very entertaining movie. Um, very enjoyed it. Visually very impressive. The 3D, I could have took it or leave it. Um, I don't think the 3D really gave you much with this film. Uh, it definitely gave you more with uh, Avatar. Yeah, yeah. When an Avatar was so tastefully done, too, it's just hard. James Cameron spent a lot of time putting that 3D together. That's for sure. Well, from what I understand, with with uh, Clash, uh, it was not filmed in 3D originally, and so it actually delayed the release time because they saw what 3D did for Avatar and they reworked it so it could be, you know, aired in, you know, on the, on the movie screen on 3D. Now I've heard mixed reviews as to whether, eh, you should see it or wait till DVD. In your opinion, if people have not seen Clash yet, would you go spend, you know, nine, ten dollars to go see it in a the theater or would you wait till DVD having to do it again? That's a tough one. Um, you won't miss anything if you don't see it on 3D. But still seeing it on the big screen, it definitely definitely makes it more enjoyable. This 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 one's worth seeing. This one's worth the nine bucks to go see it in the theaters. So out of a five star rating, what would you rate it? Um, I'd give it a three. A three. So mm-hmm. not a stellar movie, but a good entertaining movie. Right. All right. Well, so there you heard it. That's our review of Clash of the Titans. Maybe not real in depth, but gives you an overview of what Miles thought of it. So I don't. I'll probably wait till I'll probably wait to run it. Right. No, I won't go see it. Other things in movie is uh, we concept art this past week was released for the film that people are calling the next 2001, the next Blade Runner. Now, I don't know about you, Miles, but whenever I hear someone saying, oh, this movie is the next 2001 or the next Blade Runner, they're heartening back to these sci-fi greats. I'm leery because I, yes. they, they, they never they never kind of hold up to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical when they try to hype it up that way, try to compare it to past sci-fi greats. Yeah. According to Slash Film, director Carl Eric Rinch, Rinch, I think is the way he pronounced his name, has already completed a full story for the feature film called Small, from which he drew the short movie, the short movie as a starting point. I've also learned that Rinch has met with various Nobel Prize winning scientists and theorists in designing the world and narrative that could be scientifically plausible. He's pretty hardcore about creating a world that could actually exist, a la 2001. I've heard him in, I've heard that in the past. Rinch has joked that the project is a mix between 2001, Blade Runner, and Dr. Chivago, with a bit of the Bourne style action. Sounds pretty awesome and absurd at the same time, but I think that's the intent. 
The Blade Runner link is no coincident. Rinch is a commercial director who works for the Blade Runner director Ridley Scott, and Scott is the guy behind a short film experiment that produced The Gift. Rinch was also the guy that Scott originally tapped to direct his proposed Alien prequel before Fox said Scott himself had to direct. Also, the film short movie mentions a unicorn, which... As I'm concerned, big whoop de do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about this movie. The concept art looks great. Um, and uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. They actually have a small video trailer of it, or I guess of this maybe the short, the digital short. But I don't know. Don't know enough about it, Miles. Yeah, I'll have to, you know, do, do a little more research on it, see a trailer before I can, you know. It sounds interesting. Um, I'll give it that. Let's move into our DVD news, and uh, boy, this is going to have some people a little bit up in arms here. Uh, yes, go ahead and uh, tell us this news. Well, in DVD news, thousands trash Lord of the Rings uh, Blu-ray before it, its release. Man, those Amazon reviewers may be the toughest crowd in Middle-earth. Even before the Lord of the Rings, the motion picture trilogy she was released on Blu-ray a few days ago, thousands of angry fans had trashed the product without even having seen it. Of the 3,156 customer reviews currently up on the site, an amazing 2.850 of them, more than 90% gave the release one star, the lowest rating possible. What possible problem could have these users with a trilogy made up of some of the highest grossing films of all time, one that won 17 Academy Awards? Turns out the low ratings weren't because of the thousands of Amazon viewers hated the film. In fact, it was because they loved it. As C. Burns put in his review, some confusion among other reviewers that somehow we're obligated to post a five-star recommendation for the movie. This is incorrect understanding of the review process. If I were reviewing the movie itself, it would get a five. This review is for the product as listed. In other words, I do not recommend buying this product DVD. This product is being created for no other reason than to do people into buying this movie twice again. Those of us who are huge fans bought the original DVDs, the theatrical releases. Then the studio finally released the extended editions, even though they could have released both at the same time. Now that the Blu-ray has won the high-def battle, the studios are salivating at screwing us all again the same way. Please do not let them get away with pretending that Blu-ray can't hold both versions on one disc. It certainly can. A simple menu option would let you watch the extended edition when you have time, or theatrical edition when you don't. Their other argument that Peter Jackson is busy working on The Hobbit and will work on an extended edition later is 100% total BS. He's already done the work. Just copy what he did for the regular DVDs onto a new Blu-ray master. Bottom line, the studios will make whatever argument they think will fly to convince us they, they, they can't put both versions on one disc because, because they already want to double their income on this movie, which has already made them a billion dollars. Don't play along. Let friends know not to buy any... Lord of the Rings Blu-ray that doesn't have both versions on one disc. So what do you think? Will the fans free sway a new line? And will you be buying the new Rings Blu-ray? Or waiting until something better comes along? Well, uh, Miles, what do you think? Well, it's interesting that there's this backlash. It's, it's, it's about, you know, Hollywood, you know, double dipping, you know, um, and, and I can understand the frustration by, by the, the consumers. I mean, uh, Blu-ray, I mean, it's almost a racket. I mean, they'll release a partial, you know, the theatrical release, and if you you, know, you you want it bad enough, then you'll get it. Then, you know, a few months later or a year later, uh, you know, there'll be a special collector's edition with, um, you know, m- more with, footage, more... Yeah, more with the, extended editions on. Yeah, so I understand, you know, the customer, you know, being, you know, being upset over this and feeling duped. However, Will, I think... People still flock to buy the Blu-ray uh, version of Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. Yeah, I, I, I think they still will. Yeah, well, I know I put it into my Netflix rental. I don't know if I'm going to buy it. I think that for me, I'm going to wait. I'll wait till the extended edition comes out to, to buy the Blu-ray if I'm going to buy it. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I own you know the three collector's editions of the, you know, the trilogy. I'm not going to be so quick to jump on buying the Blu-rays right now. No, no, and I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. I think the other thing is 
Uh, is it a racket? Absolutely. But, but here's the thing. George Lucas has done this with Star Wars for years. You know, he put out right. the, the original videotapes and then they had the remastered videotapes and then they put out the DVDs and then they put out the DVDs, uh, with, um, where they revised the masters on them. And you better believe that someday he's going to put out all six Star Wars movies on the Blu-ray. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, no talk about it yet, but when that happens, I will probably get them. It's something I could put on my Christmas wish list. I yeah. mean, uh, it'd be cool to have Star Wars on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, well, Star, it's interesting. Star Wars, I remember, cause I, I bought, you know, there was just the theatrical release of the, the, the original three, then the THX version of the three, and then the THX version of, with all the added footage they put in after they released them in theaters. So, yeah, it, it is a racket. Um, have I fallen for it many times? I, I confess I have. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, hey, if you love Lord of the Rings and you are dying to see it in Blu-ray and you have to own it, be one of the early, early ones to own it in Blu-ray, go out and buy it. It's certainly a good movie. Just be aware that uh, if, you, if you're into the extended edition, that that'll probably be coming out in about a year. Yeah, I, I, you may want to if, if if you want to get the extended edition. It, it's I now I'm a little more I think a little more smarter about that. I may you know I'm not as quick to jump on buying a, a DVD or Blu-ray. I may wait a little while for it. Um, well, and for me the economy is a bit tighter too. For me, I'm not just throwing money away at DVDs. Oh, like no. did. In fact, I'm yeah. renting. In fact, I'm renting most of my movies. You know, and there, there's yeah. very there's very few I own. But, one I will own, I will probably own Star Wars on DVD, uh, on Blu-ray, and I'll probably own Lord of the Rings on Blu-ray, but I'm going to wait on the uh, Lord of the Rings at least for a little bit. Wait for the price to come down a little. Yeah. Hey, why don't you take us into our second piece of DVD news, and that is, of course, the Justice League Crisis on Two Planets, or Earth, Two Earths, or something like that? Yes. Uh, about about three or four weeks ago, I rented uh, Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, uh, the DVD uh, from Netflix and um, enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the people that put out Justice League um, are making standalone uh, movies straight to DVD. And brief, synop- brief synopsis uh, plot is that um, um, uh, an alternate version uh, of Lex Luthor goes to Earth to, um, and, tr- and recruits the help of the Justice League um, against um uh, the you know super criminals on on his earth and um, uh, so it, it 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 talks about that um, I mean it, it deals with uh, the heroes that we know of go to an alternate earth to deal with uh, the 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 supervillains and this is voiced by many uh, notables in Hollywood uh, William Baldwin does a voice for Batman uh, Mark Harmon does a voice for for Superman uh, Chris Noth uh, Lex Luthor Gina Torres uh, Superwoman James Woods Al uh, Alman uh, Bruce Davidson, uh, President Wilson. Uh, so, um, you, when you're watching this, you'll recognize, uh, some of the voices on it. I, I highly recommend it. It was very enjoyable. Um, it's, uh, it's available, I'm sure, for purchase, but, uh, I, I got it on Netflix. Now, you've been watching a lot of the animated, uh, um, Justice League type series, right? Yes, so I'm a big Planet Hawk and stuff like that. Yeah, the Mar the, the people that put out the Marvel uh, comic uh, animated uh, movies, uh, uh, I think they're doing a great job with that too. So whenever there's a new one out, I make sure I I, I rent it. Yeah. Well, let's move into some miscellaneous news. We have two pieces of news, actually three, and the one we'll just mention quickly. Leonard Nimoy is now on Twitter. So if you didn't know that, and you are on Twitter. Check out the real Nimoy. Isn't that what he's called, the real Nimoy? Yep. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter. The guy has like. I don't know, it was like 30,000 followers like the third day he was on or something like that. But probably much higher now. But oh, sure. Can you imagine trying to learn Twitter at the age of 75, 79 or something like that? Pretty impressive. Of course, he might have, some, he might have someone else doing it. That was the reality too. But. All right. Well, uh, first thing we want to give him is, I guess the second thing we're giving you in miscellaneous news is, is this awesome or disgusting? You can tell us. We'll post pictures into our podcast notes. The Star Wars Adat made out of bacon. All for you, Mary. All for you. Um, we're just thinking that there aren't enough Star Wars items made out of pork when this freaking, this is freaking ridiculous posted these images. Yes, 
It's an all-terrain armored transport from the Empire Strikes Back made out of bacon. And here's the official description. The bacon adat stands at three feet tall and is made with over 40 pounds of goodness of bacon. The body was made from foam and then the bacon was attached. This beat took, this beast beat, this beast took 21 nonstop hours to build. If you ever once thought to cook 40 pounds of bacon in your kitchen in one sitting, I can now personally advise against it. Kids, don't try this one at home. I, I'm not sure. Look at this picture to be impressed or to be grossed out. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I think it's just a bit of both. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of both. It's, it's impressive. Now, now, just, now, what would be impressive if they actually could make it move? <laughs> that would be impressive. And grotesque. Yes. It'd be like you skin the adat, the, the adat and, um, let it go. Yeah. Well, take us into our last news story of tonight. Well, folks, I would encourage you to get on YouTube and look for the Dancing Stormtrooper. The Dancing Stormtrooper tours Paris and startles the locals. You may not recognize Danny, uh, uh, I think his last name is Chu's name, but his dance moves, those you, you, you will recognize. Chu's videos of himself dancing through the streets of Tokyo while dressed in full Stormtrooper gear have been seen by millions. And in fact, the one we've embedded on our site has been viewed more than 3 million times. Now it looks like Chu has decided to spread the Stormtrooper love to a new country. He's invaded France. He just posted images over on his blog and on Flickr from his recent trip to Paris, during which he brought La Force to the Eiffel Tower, the Arc de Triomphe, and other famous landmarks. Yeah, so it's funny. If you get a chance, I did get a chance to watch him dancing in Tokyo. It's absolutely hilarious. That's just great, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it almost reminds me of that whole Napoleon Dynamite dance he does at the end. Um, he doesn't mimic that, but it just reminds me, like, just this total out-of-place setting. You know, he's in, like, the square in Tokyo dancing in Stormtrooper outfit. But, and uh, hopefully there will be some video that goes along with him being in France and doing it. I, I hope it makes the news. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we got to wrap up our news uh, segment here. Before we uh, move into our wonderful interview with Felicia Day, we're going to bring you a promo with Stranger Things. What is Stranger Things? Stranger Things is the world's first science fiction anthology series syndicated on the internet, shot and released in high definition for free. How is this possible? Welcome to the cutting edge, says Chris Miller, co-founder of PatioBooks.com. This is great online entertainment, says Michael R. Menengay of Farpoint Media. J.C. Hutchins, author of Seventh Son, says, Earl Newton and his crew are out of their minds. Stranger Things is a mini masterpiece playing right there on your screen. There are stranger things in heaven and earth that are dreamt of in your philosophy. Go to StrangerThings.tv and find out just how strange... Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Now, Miles, we, of course, as if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that we were at the Farpoint Con, and we had the distinct privilege of interviewing Miss Felicia Day, known for her work in the Guild, Dollhouse, Legend of Neil, Dr. Horrible Sing-Along Blog, and Buffy. She also stars in the upcoming Sci-Fi's fairy tale adaptation, complete with werewolves, Red, based on the fairy tale of Red Riding Hood. A Little Red Riding Hood. She talks about the Guild and the Guild comic books that is currently being published, and she also talks about what it's like being a girl gamer. Now, Miles, what did you think of this interview? Uh, I thought it was a great interview. Um, I, I thought she was, you know, a um, lovely person to talk to. And um, listeners, just for your benefit, um, Scott's wife told me to keep an eye on him while we were, you know, around Felicia Day. So, uh, um 
but uh, no, she was she was a joy to talk to, and um, and, and I think she was very fan friendly at the convention. Uh, her the lines are very long to get you know an autograph with her. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought she was really you know nice with the fans. Um, got some you know there's some great pictures of her for, on the convention. Yeah, and we'll we'll post some of our pictures with her. I kept having to pick my jaw off the floor, you know. Thing. Yeah, and Miles, I, I can never figure out why he kept splashing cold water on me. Well, but I felt it need to be done. Yes, yes, I think kind of was like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm wet, Felicia, but good to meet you, but, Scott. Let's look at this stormtrooper over here or something, you know? Yeah, something like Felicia. very, very distracting. Hey, look, there's Darth Vader. But yes. Anyways, yeah, it was a she was very approachable, a wonderful woman to actually just sit down and talk with her career, what she's done, and. Um, and uh and just a fellow gamer uh, and it's been it was kind of cool to chat with her well let's not hold it up any longer let's go ahead and bring you the interview our interview with miss felicia day do you wanna date my avatar she's a star and she's hotter than reality by far ladies and gentlemen we are not only talking with an actress who's been in an emmy award-winning Joss Whedon production but also a producer of our popular web series, The Lovely Felicia Day. Ms. Day, thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you for having me. It's very good it's to have you. It's our pleasure. Miss yeah. um, Day, where can, where can one find some of your work in, in sci-fi world? Um, yeah, I, I, you can definitely find me online. That's kind of my venue of choice. <laughs> um, you can see me as an actress in Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, which is uh, the Emmy award-winning um, piece that you refer to in your introduction. Uh, Dr. Horrible was out um, almost two, well, a year and a half ago, or... And uh, it stars Neil Patrick Harris and uh, Nathan Fillion, and it's a superhero musical internet three-part show <laughs> so it's not it's kind of unique um and it's really awesome and i can't imagine uh how lucky i am to have been a part of it uh and then uh, before that i i started doing a web show called the guild um which is uh, you can find it at watchtheguild.com you can also download it on um xbox or uh zoom marketplace for free or you can get the dvds from amazon uh, or from iTunes, so you can get the show everywhere. And uh, Netflix. And Netflix, which is just, it's just very recently we made that deal, yeah. which I think is pretty cool. Uh, the internet is very much a place where you have to give people what they want to watch, where they want to watch it. People have set places they go. So I, I quickly learned early on in the web series world that you have to provide your content as many places as you can. A lot of that takes a little bit of wrangling because companies get a little bit possessive but um, eventually, I always want it to be available to wherever people watch things online. So uh, The Guild is a, it's a web series about online gamers uh, and how they interact online and offline. So, And you can watch some of my TV shows online randomly <laughs> as well. Very cool. Would you consider yourself a sci-fi fan? Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm a big sci-fi fan. I'm, uh, I, I almost more... Um, I almost read more books in sci-fi than, than TV shows. Like, I was a huge Next Generation fan, and I love, you know, any any TV show or um, or more, more movies is actually, more sci-fi movies. Uh, so I'm a huge, I'm definitely, like, it's very much part of my culture. Like, it's definitely what I grew up reading and immersing myself in, and I feel like I identify more with than other genres. Although I do love comedy, too. So uh, I have my foot in both of those worlds. Now, do you still game? Well, gaming is definitely my primary interest um, and hobby. Yes, I definitely game. I game to the point where it's not you shouldn't game. I mean, I'm frustrated. I can't game as much as I want to now. Like uh, I'm kind of still playing WoW. I um I just I played WoW last month. I got my priest to eighty finally because people were making so much fun of me because I have this, you know, I'd log on and I'd level a couple levels here and I'm kind of all the hall. Like after I broke my hardcore like raiding addiction, I can only be casual now, which is great. This is much better. Um, but yeah, I got my priest to eighty and then I got distracted with, um, you know, I just started playing Mass Effect two. Okay. Which I think is a fantastic game. It's, it's really like the best of all worlds for me because it's sci-fi. <laughs> It's uh, role-playing in that you get to design your character. Uh, so she looks like me with a sensible bob. 
And um, and then you get to do the, the gameplay, and it's like, uh, yeah. So it's 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 a it's just a perfect game for me. I feel like I'm living a great sci-fi movie when I'm playing it, which uh, is really fun. And uh, you know, whenever I have a spare time, I really should be watching TV because that's what I'm supposed to be writing. But I generally I'm playing like a flash game or right. you know a casual game or just Xbox Live game. At D and D, you still playing D and D? You know, my uh, my DM had to take a couple months off because he's directing and writing a movie. Okay. So we've been on hiatus since November, and I'm really hoping that he <laughs> stops working so we can get back to the D and D. I really, it was definitely, it's uh, we've been playing the same, you know, not the same campaign, but we we switched to 4.0 last summer. But um, it's it was so much fun to do tabletop. Uh, face-to-face gaming. I mean, I love gaming, but just combining all that in 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 you know in a, in a place where you can share snacks with your friends. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's just really fun. I really really enjoy it. Right. Right. You mentioned Star Trek. Have you tried Star Trek Online yet? You know, I just got uh, a beta key for that. Well, I know that was out. So, yeah. <laughs> but uh, now I have I have an account ready. I'm waiting for me to play. Um, my PC got broken during the last season of the Guild. Um, so Zabu broke it. So I have to either buy a new PC or learn how to dual boot my Mac. So I've got to do it in the next couple of weeks because my other friends are playing it currently. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's supposed to be really fun. It actually has some aspects of Mass Effect mm. in it as far as like the away missions and things like that. So um, I definitely want to try it out. I love, you know, uh, online games, you know, mass MMOs are like my crack. So I want to try a little bit of everything for research purposes. Of well, course. of course, of, of course. course. Yeah, I played WoW as well for four years. Oh, excellent. And uh, May, I had to give it up because we got my adoptive daughter, and there's just no, I had to say, okay, oh. family time first. But, yeah. <laughs> so, it, I can imagine it's hard to balance a family. It is, that. it is. But, you know, you can't give yourself up entirely. So there's a way to play casually. The thing is, if you're leveling, you play casually. You just can't. If you want to be a hardcore raider, you kind of have to schedule around it a little bit more, and it's a lot more tricky. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. But Well, let's talk about Dr. Harville's sing-along blog. Obviously, since it was, it was a Joss Whedon production, it was going to be special and great. But do you think it was going to be as huge as it was when it, when it came out? Um, I mean, I can't. I can't. I, I I have to say that I I knew that whatever Joss did online was going to revolutionize online viewing. So I, and it's the same thing I felt with the Guild. Like I never had like grand designs, of, you know, but I always had this feeling like this is going to be something that people will want to watch. And I guess you have to have that blind faith in order to get through all the hard times of writing and doing things on your own and be able to like uh, shoestring everything together. You really have to have some, sort of that myopic view that this is going to be what it is going to be, and I, I need to get to the end result of it. And especially with Doctor Horrible, like I mean, having the elements involved, like I said, like anything that Joss does, you know, he's one of the very few people I think that in an online world can draw the kind of attention that Doctor Horrible did. I mean, even if you took other famous people, they've done web series or they've done experiments on um, in 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 streaming or whatever. And it hasn't been that successful. Like, just because you put a star in something doesn't mean that they're going to draw an online audience. Because an online audience is very unique. Like, a lot of those people may not watch TV, or they might just watch things on DVD, or they might be gaming. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not... It does cross over, but at the same time, it doesn't... It, you are able to take off in a way just because you put a traditional TV star in it. And I think Joss, you know, like George Lucas, and maybe a couple other people, but there are very few people who are in that world that they have the following that can break through the you know millions of web pages that are out there so I always thought it was going to be a success um, and I was always like you know ho- hoping like send them emails like hey you should do this you know just stick my nose where I probably shouldn't have to try to make it you know as, as big and you know Joss is so smart as a business as a businessman as well so right uh, yeah so I, I mean I guess there's a, a, lot, a lot of ants of, of blonde face that I just knew it was going to be big yeah. Well, it's unfortunate that we won't see Penny back. Uh, I mean, yeah. You never know. You never know, I guess. But. You never know. I mean, <laughs> I, I would, yeah. I mean, listen, either you have to go with what what the what the story tells you. So right. if they think that I, uh, you know, Penny somehow raises, raises herself back up from the ground. The zombie Penny. I mean, I was always, what I was like, a, a lot of people emailed me, uh, zombie Penny, unattractive, that would be kind of gross. 
Uh, I would think ghost penny or like a robot penny. Robot penny, somebody emailed me. I was like, uh, emailed me some fan art. I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. That would be fun makeup. So, uh, but you know, as a writer, uh, I understand that you just have to service the, the, the script. You can't like shove something in just because you like somebody. So, uh, whatever. But I really hope that he does a second one regardless of my involvement in it because right. I think it's not only just fantastic, but it's just a great, way to be able to have um, you know deliver something to the audience directly without having people interfere with it mm-hmm. now you, you're your roots with Joss go back further than that though yes I was on Buffy I was on, I was one of the potentials uh, for the last season of Buffy um, Vi I played Vi so yeah I've known him for a while well that's how I saw him on the strike line because um, uh, he had a mutant enemy strike line day for the WGA strike and that's when I told him about the guild, he was like, oh, yeah, I've seen your show because you emailed me. And uh, I had this thing for idea for an Internet musical. And I was like, that's fantastic. Do it. So that's uh, it's kind of, you know, it's been a, uh, many years that I've known him. And I never am comfortable around him because I'm always fangirling out a little bit. Like, you know, somebody for that long, you're like, don't be such a dork around this guy. But, uh, you know, he's just one of those people that you just, you know, it's just, I'm such a fan of what he does. So... I have to be a little bit in awe of him whenever I'm around him. It's <laughs> <laughs> It is understandable. What, um, uh, what's next for the Guild? You're done with season three, right? Season three has been done for a while. Um, I should have season four out right now, but I took, um, uh, well, I should be farther along, but I, I had to take um, several months to write the comic book. Dark Horse, uh, last Comic Con, approached me about doing a comic book with the Guild. And he had also... Uh, Scott Alley, the the editor, had approached me before, the Comic-Con before, about doing it, and I really was like, I don't know. Because comics aren't really my forte. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, I appreciate comics, but I'm not, like, a huge hardcore fan in the way that a lot of people at conventions are. Uh, I'm more of, like, I read thousand-page novels every week, so I'm right. a huge, like, I know every <laughs> fantasy inside of my author. But uh, the comics, were, I was less familiar with, so I was kind of reluctant until I got the idea to do... Uh, an origin story about how Codex got into the game because I figured that would be something I would never be able to film because it would be too expensive. It would have a lot more out of game, you know. And I could also show the in-game stuff. Like I could actually draw, you know, have scenes within the game and seeing the avatars talking rather than the people behind their computer. So that kind of, that idea attracted me. Um, it took a lot longer than I thought to write it. Uh, I'm not the fastest writer anyway. So learning to write in a comic book form it was like, you know, learning... It, it was not like riding a bike from screenplays to comics. It, it gave me a whole new respect for the comic book art of writing and being able to tell a story in a format that's so limited as far as dialogue goes and so heavy on the visual aspect, which I had never directed, so it was kind of a challenge. I'm really happy with that, how it turned out, um, and the art is really, really... Uh, I think fits what I wanted to do with the show, so in, in, this, in the graphic novel form so I'm really excited to see what people think about it um, and when's that due out yeah the first episode will be out March 25th and uh, then it'll be out for three issues after that for every month uh, April and May and then I guess probably a, compil- a graphic novel compilation will be out yeah, okay. late summer I'm not sure exactly and where will, where, will, where will they be able to pick that up well you can buy it uh, in your comic store I think uh, they have to order it by March 4th if they have it so I, I don't know when this is going to go up but if it goes up before call your comic store and ask if they're going to carry the guild because right. they might not know about it who knows right. <laughs> right will it be available from the website as well uh, yeah you well not our website but you can order it from any online comic uh, I know TFA is a is a, a sister site to or so loosely associated with Dark Horse, so you can order it on there and on many online places. Each issue has two different covers, which is very cool because I got some amazing artists to do the cover art, and I'm really happy with it. So yeah, that, um, I'm, I want to see what people think. <laughs> very cool. Let's talk about Dollhouse. Uh, um, we see you on the last the series finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we, we we see you all, only on a released DVD uh, for Epitaph One. What was it like being on the, the last last show for Dollhouse for you? Uh, you know, the funny thing was I knew everybody socially. Uh, I've seen them at many uh, Whedon <laughs> gatherings, right. so I knew everybody pers- on a personal basis. So I wasn't as intimidated as going on like House or Little Lie to Me or some other uh, show as like a guest actor. And I already worked with a lot of the crew and on, you know, the stages and stuff for Epitaph 1. 
So, uh, you know, it was kind of sad because everybody knew that it was going to be over, mm-hmm. and it was the last episode, and, and, you know, you always have that kind of thing where you make a family when you're on a set, and then when you stop filming, even though you love the other people, it's just the way that the business is. You might not see those people for years afterwards. It's you, you're such a tight family, and then you're and then it's gone. It's kind of a real, like, letdown, but I think everybody was kind of philosophically like prepared for it so it was it was actually really enjoyable because people were pretty la- relaxed and um, even though it was a crazy schedule and to be able to shoot you know all those pages and all those fight scenes and stuff within the time limit it was pretty monumental that it got done um, I think people were were eager to uh, you know see it done right was it difficult for you to step back into that world after leaving it for what a year? How long was it between the time you filmed Epitaph between Epitaph One, Epitaph Two? Uh, you know, I think it was like, um, gosh, I it was. I think we sh- we shot Epitaph One in like February. I, I, I'm thinking. I really don't know. To be honest with you, it might be. It might have been like November, like a over a year. But then uh, people don't know this. But the, if you watch Epitaph One. The first scenes that were in the car driving, that actually was shot in September. It was supposed to be a whole chunk of 201, the first season of the second, first episode of the second season. And the intention was to carry us through in the future to tell the story of how Epitaph 1 happened. And I believe that the network just didn't want to go back to the future because they didn't air Epitaph 1 and they thought it would be confusing for viewers. And uh, and so we didn't get to come back in the storyline that uh, I think Joss had intended but, you know, that's just what happens in right. TV, and things, you know, change as you go along. Um, we, we were also mentioned that we were going to come back in the middle of the season, but that didn't happen either because just the way the storylines went out. And, like, like this, is, this is the same thing I talked about, Dr. Horrible. is like, you, as a writer, you know, you have to let something organic happen, and even though you love a storyline or a character or a scene, you have to be ruthless in cutting it to make the best show that you can. So, you know, I'm just glad that we got to come back at all. Because, uh, you know, I think the Epitaph 1 universe was really interesting. It was a really interesting way to do an apocalypse. It was interesting to do a way to do zombies in a science fiction way. Um, and even if I hadn't been in it as, as a fan of the show and uh, of Joss's work, I would have been interested to see where that would happen, you know, be taken. So um, I was just really, you know, honored to have been part of it. We, we, we love Dollhouse. I had a chance to interview uh, Miracle at numerous occasions. Oh, yeah, Miracle's yeah. lovely. She's such a, she's a very good ukulele player. I don't oh, know if you've heard yeah. me play. I mean, she's a singer, great singer, and she all comes to the hula dance. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, well, we, we conned her into doing it at sh- shortly, but conned you. Oh, okay. Year, so. Yeah, she's a beautiful dancer and singer and a ukuleleist. <laughs> I actually just bought a ukulele. Uh, in Hawaii, and I was kind of inspired by her because she is, you know, I saw her do it at another convention in England. Did you and get to see her concert she did with her? Uh, uh, I coming out. Oh, okay. I think in February. It, was it right? Uh, I think it was last week. Oh, the concert. Was no, I wasn't able to make it, but I did see her and her husband perform at the convention we did in England, and it was just amazing. Their voices are great and just really nice people. Yeah. They seem like genuinely nice and genuine people yeah. as a whole. Uh-huh. Uh, so, about how many conventions are you average? Are you doing a year right now? Uh, you know, I had I don't do a, a ton of them. Uh, last year we did Comic Con and BlizzCon, and I did a couple others. This year I've had a lot of requests, um, and I love doing conventions. I just can't do so many that. I mean, like I said, I I'm kind of responsible for this whole show. <laughs> if I was just an actor in it, I would be able to do one every weekend. Right. But unfortunately, I. Uh, I have to write the show, which takes me a very long time and is a lot very stressful. Yeah. So uh, I'm going through that right now. I'm in the you know in the pits of trying to get a season together. So um, I know Any that more music videos. You know I haven't I haven't <laughs> come up with a, a bonus video yet this season. Uh, once I get the season done, that's the most stressful part because writing I could write one one off episodes for the guild like every day like that would be easy. Planning out a whole twelve episode arc is very difficult because I have a lot of storylines and half our comedies generally have like two to three you know uh, storylines, but you know the guild tends to have more than that and it stretches over a longer way so you have to take it farther and I never want to make something that I'm not proud of I mean people might not like it that's totally their choice and their opinion like everybody doesn't like everything but as long as I'm happy with it I can be happy putting it on film so 
Once I get the actual season together, I did the same thing with the music video. After I finished the draft of the season three, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to do a music video because people keep asking me to sing because of Dr. Horrible. So, there you go. Yeah, very cool. My yeah. daughter runs around singing that song. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I mean, uh, that's really cute. I uh, I definitely don't know if I could top a music video. Like, I don't know if I could put it into another music video just because it's like, it would have to be better than this one. And how will you top it? I don't know. I, I outdo myself. <laughs> it got good ratings when that came out. It was like number one in yeah. iTunes for a while. Well, the fans made it number one on iTunes and number one on Amazon. And we beat out, like, huge labels. So... I mean, I think it's just a testament of if you... One person can make a difference. I don't know if it's stupid, but it really is. Like, our show should not have succeeded. It shouldn't be popular. We have no budget for advertising, and we don't have a big person behind us funding us, planning things for us, telling us how to do things. And uh, we're completely fan-driven, so that's why I like coming to new conventions, because I meet the people who actually make the show happen. Cool. And it makes me, you know, want to go on. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything that we can look forward to in Season 4? Um, you know, I can't give you any spoilers because I really, if I said that, I might change this around. I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm, in, the, I'm in the point where I might be changing, like, what I'm planning, like, halfway through, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if this story arc is going to happen. So, uh, I'm sorry, but it, to tell you anything would probably be a lie. Because <laughs> I might be scrapping everything I have at this point. <laughs> she would tell us when she had to kill us. I would tell you, yes, I'd have to kill you. I'd just have to kill your podcasting thing. There you go. All right, well, thank you so much for sitting with us and interviewing with us. Uh, and where can we find you again? Um, you can find me, um, you can find the show online, watchtheguild.com or drhorrible.com. You can watch those shows for free streaming. Uh, you can find my blog at feliciaday.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, which I'm most active on, and I interact with most people at twitter.com slash feliciaday. All right, well, thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Felicia Day. Please don't forget to try out that trivia question earlier on or try to figure it out so you can win a signed print of the guild by none other, by none other than Felicia Day herself. Well, Miles, we're going to go ahead and wrap up the uh, Sci-Fi Diner tonight. Okay. This is our Sci-Fi 5 and 5 is what we've been calling it. And tonight, I'm going to give you my top... Well, I'm probably going to actually throw a sixth one in here, but my top sci-fi weapons of all time, and these are in no particular order, but these are just some that stick out to me that have, have been really, really cool weapons. Hey, and I'm sure that I missed some, so if I missed some, guys, you're listening to this, let me know which ones I missed, and we'll throw them into the show, because there are a lot of good weapons uh, in there, and it's hard to know sometimes where to draw the line, like what's a weapon and what's not, and I, I realize... Fantasies out there, horrors out there. I tried to stick solely to sci-fi in this case. So anyways, number one on my list, the M41A Pulse Rifle. This, of course, was the primary weapon of the U.S. CMC in the Alien movies. Mm-hmm. It was a cool gun. Yeah, it was. Lightsabers uh, is my second one. That could have been number one for me probably because lightsabers are just dang cool. Um, the Chris Knives, and uh, you would know this, of course, if you're a fan of the Dune universe, created by Frank Herbert. According to the 1965 novel Dune, it's made from the crystal tooth of a Shad Halud, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, a giant sandworms that live below the sands in the desert planet Arrakis. The Death Star, I threw that in there probably as a weapon because it is really the ultimate weapon. Modern the ultimate sci-fi weapon. It yeah. is, it is. Um, Star Trek Phaser has to be one of the classic weapons of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. You can't have sci-fi without having the Star Trek Phaser. And then this one's uh, more of a gaming thing, but it did get made into a movie, Doom. Uh, did you see Doom, the movie? Um, I saw a little bit on TV. I never watched it from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, they have, of course, the BFG-9000, which is a really cool gun when they're running around Mars killing aliens. So it's really cool. Um, uh, which, uh, BFG, of course, you know what that stands for, Miles? I, I can imagine. Yeah. Big <clears throat> FN gun. And that's what I'm going to say. So we won't go into the actual description, but you know what that means. Anyways, this is my top sci-fi weapons. Miles, did I miss any in your opinion? Um, 
Next week I'll give you mine. Ooh, um, but um, okay, so we gotta wait. Yes. So, but if you have some other weapons you think I should include in that list, you can call in, you can write in, you can email us. Email us at the sci-fi diner, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Call in at 1-888-508-4343. Please let us know if I missed any weapons. And not only that, but any other thoughts on anything else, any of the news stories we share in the show, any thoughts on our interview with Felicia Day. We would love, 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 love to hear from you. And if you are out of the country, you can email us an MP3, and we'll gladly play it in the show. You can also just throw a Twitter our way, and I've been um, trying to get more into Twitter a little bit. I was kind of off the grid a little bit, it seems like, with Twitter, but I'm back on. You can, of course, throw it that way, throw it my way at Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G, and also throw it to the Sci-Fi Diner, and that will and we'll get your Twitter on any comments you have about the show or anything you'd like us to talk about in the show. And Miles, they can find you on Twitter. I am. Uh, you can find me at Son of Wharf at Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and, that, and you're also on Trek Space, so you can harass them there as well. Mm-hmm. You still doing Trek Space? Still doing Trek Space. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. And Facebook and everything else. Um, talking about Facebook, Miles, we have a Facebook page. We do. We do have a fan page on Facebook. Yeah. Hey, and if you did not sign up for the Facebook page, please sign up. We have a couple more followers, and we'll get we'll be able to get our our own domain. Or I guess own Facebook domain or something like that. If you get a chance, please leave us a review on iTunes. That always is helpful for our rankings and our ratings and everything else. And uh, Miles, what am I forgetting? Oh, you can visit our website at the sci-fi diner podcast.com. And a lot of what we told you about will be in our show notes. There'll be pictures, there's videos, there's much more news than we can ever bring you here. And uh, I believe that's about it. Anything else you need to talk about, Miles? No, I think we we covered it real well. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you have anything you want us to talk about with Mary, please let us know. Um, and you have any questions for Mary herself, and uh, you can uh, you can ask those, and we'll gladly relay those to her. Because next week, it's all about Mary. It is. It is. Well, Miles, I believe that's it. Well, until then, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. It is stupid. It is stupid. That's pretty stupid. I think you should send a note. (laughs) I should. I should. I should get him to read it just for me. (laughs) We're talking to each other. We're talking, 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 talking. talking. (laughs) (laughs) How you two have normal? I haven't gone out. Okay. I got in the car. I was a little traumatized from the terminal to the car. I follow you on Twitter. I saw that. <laughs> and then I uh, and I got from the car to here, and then I was left. I haven't left. Yeah. I think I I can do. I, I'll survive through the con. I think I might go, go stir crazy if it had been an extra day. It's yeah, but it's been. I've seen it from my window, and it's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll stay that way. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good. It's all going to be about your episode of House. It is? All of it? Wow. Okay. I mean, there's some good stories, I guess. (laughs) No, no. Fine.